Today on Catfish Best Source, we're going back to catfishing finally with a very special guest from Alabama, soon to join us again soon. From the studios of Grand Forks Best Source, welcome to Catfish Best Source, presented by Half Brothers Brewing. As always, I'm your host, Brad Durek, joined by producer Dale. As always, few reminders. Um, Our super clean contest is finished for season number three, but that doesn't mean you can't use super clean yourself, available at many fine retailers or at SuperClean's website. Just get on the Google, look for the purple logo. Uh, we have tournaments coming up here on the Red River still to get signed up for. The Catfish Capital Challenge in Drayton is still has openings. You can sign up for that at re- catfishdrayton.com. We also have the Moorhead Catfish Tournament open down in Moorhead on July 8th. You can sign up for that one at i29classic.com. As we do every week here on Catfish Best Source, I get a fine beverage from our presenting sponsor, Half Brothers Brewing. Here's an oldie but a goodie. It's still on or back on tap and in cans. Punk Rock Princess. It's a pale, juicy pale ale. I know it has not been on season three, and I'm pretty sure it was on season two, an oldie but a goodie, so we'll have a quick taste of that. Still good as always, one of my favorites, a little more hoppy, but I still love it. Speaking of Half Brothers Brewing, our presenting sponsor, you'll see their nice Christmas shot behind me on the camera. Uh, Half Brothers Brewing, I forgot the script by the way, so we're just going to talk about them. Oh, you can see it on the crawl. But I can make this up, Dale. <laughs> Visit Half Brothers Brewing in Grand Forks, 17 North 3rd Street. As I tell you every week, I was not much into the IPAs or even the pale ales like Punk Rock Princess or for sure Sours before I started visiting Half Brothers Brewing. Now I like them all. Don't forget they have Classic, which is uh, for the, you light beer drinkers. They also have the good old uh, – uh, now I forgot it. Nodak 23, which is a Vienna-style lager, and many, many more. We've had lots of them on here from Lumberjack Snack to now Punk Rock Princess. We've had some IPAs. We had Morning Dreams. Anyway, they also have pizza, pizza, bi- pizza bites, pizza rolls, pretzel bites. Your kids can come with you. So if you're in town, go to halfbrothersbrewing.com. Check everything out. Before you get there, they're on North. 17 North 3rd Street. And if you do live out of town, many of their beverages are at your fine liquor stores. Also, Thunder Rays. Rays, a friend of our show, has been for the last two seasons and also a friend of catfishing in Grand Forks. A couple years ago, he opened Thunder Rays Auto Repair. I knew they would do fantastic. My family has taken all of our stuff to them since Ray opened the shop. They can do everything from your vehicle maintenance to tires to wheel bearings radiators, brakes, whatever you need, Thunder Rays can do it. Make your appointment or check them out at thunderrays.com. All right. Turn this. Need some music off, Dale. All right. Now we're getting down to our guest. From the great state of Alabama, I've wanted to get him on for a couple of years. Welcome aboard, Captain Mike Mitchell. Good to be here, Brad. Been wanting to get you on for a while, but you're a busy guy down there in Alabama. So we were talking about the weather. We're in the midst of winter. You're in probably what would be our May down there now. Um, 
Yeah, we've had some crazy weather. It's about 63 degrees here today. So how, how's, how's the winter been treating you as far as fishing we've goes? We've had a mild winter, and, and the water temp's uh, in the mid-50s right now, but we've had a real mild winter, wet winter, which is kind of the norm here. Good. Well, like I do whenever I bring somebody new from around the country in the catfish world, uh, I want to know about you. So just talk about how you got started fishing, where you come from, if you're from where you live now, and uh, kind of what ultimately brought you into the catfish world. Well, I grew up fishing with my dad just as a young, uh, you know, five, six years old, he had me out on a boat. But we did a lot of bass, crappie, uh, some catfish, but nothing like, you know, what we're doing now. But uh, when I uh, graduated college and went to work, didn't really have uh, as much time to fish as I'd like to, but uh, I did get get involved in catfishing at that time and caught one that weighed like 49 pounds on a rod and reel, and I gave up bass fishing after that. It was kind of hard to... Uh, I've caught bass uh, 10 pounds, 13 ounces, but uh, bass, you know, even that size doesn't bite anything like a 50-pound catfish. So I really got hooked at, I'd say, around 21 years old. It seems and to be I the trend we're finding here is I liked crappies, I liked walleyes, I liked bass, and then I caught a catfish at about age 21 or 22, and then everything yeah. changed. <laughs> that seems to be the trend on this show from people we visit with. Yeah, I've been doing it ever since, you know, other than catching bait and then occasionally we'll go crappie fishing or something like that. But uh, that's pretty much all I do. And uh, started guiding full time now, but uh, I started part time in actually like 2003. So I worked a full time job and guided on my weekends and my vacation days. But now all I'm doing is fishing. Good. So the full time must be fairly recent because I didn't even know you were full time. Yeah, I didn't go full-time to uh, 2021, really after COVID. Uh, COVID made my job almost impossible at work. And uh, I had uh, <clears throat> I've been working for over 20 years, so I had paid a lot of stuff off. I had a pretty good uh, 401k and everything built up, so I decided to take the plunge, and it's working out great so far. Can we ask what you did before you got a real job? I've got a degree in poultry science from Mississippi State University. And so I've been working in chicken plants like Tyson Foods, uh, Pilgrim's Pride, uh, manager roles and stuff like that on, on the plant side. No kidding. That's uh, that's one we've never heard here. <laughs> so what, what, what does that entail? I mean, obviously, you, uh, yeah, talk about what that entails. That's interesting as it gets Well, there. it's a production facility, so they bring in a live bird and actually kill that bird and take the feathers off, guts out, whole nine yards, and cut it up at that plant. So uh, that's what I was in charge of is basically the operation of uh, what they would call debone. So it's taking all the meat off of the bone, and then I've been in some – uh, areas of further processing where we made chicken nuggets and chicken patties and Burger King. So I did a little bit of everything in 20 years, but uh, mainly it's just managing people. You know, there's a lot of machinery there, but a lot of people too. And 
and uh, it, it become very challenging during COVID because of all the restrictions and uh, it was very hard to get people to work. Well, in the food processing, I mean, everybody had to eat. So were, did you end up being one of those plants that got the shutdowns and had to deal with all that mess? No, we ran the whole time. So where, I, where I'm at, we ran the whole time. And, and most of the time we were on six and seven days a week. Oh, boy. A lot of work. Like other places, I mean, I was doing an off-season job and it was 30 hours a week until everything closed and then 30 became full-time plus whether I wanted it or not. And that's exactly how they said it to me too. So strange times, but now that you uh, got a real job, (laughs) (laughs) you know, one that's seven, eight, nine days a week and 20 hours a day. So let's just jump right into that. You got into guiding full-time. So what do you think after a couple of seasons? You know, I really enjoy it. Uh, my busiest time of the year is coming up. April and May last year, I did 55 days. Uh, that's pretty much my busiest time. The rest of the time, I'm usually doing about three days a week, two or three days a week. So, you know, you get some free time. And then plus, I enjoy fishing tournaments. I travel around and fish a lot of tournaments this time of the year and over in the summer and fall. Right. Well, let's stick to guiding. We'll go to tournaments a little bit later. You told me before you're on the Tennessee River, Wilson Lake, Pickwick Lake, Wheeler, and then Gunnerville. So there's a pretty good stretch of Alabama in that. And I've been there once to Gunnersville, but what kind of mileage range? Because you're covering a lot of ground to cover that many. Yeah, we kind of have our homes set up now over on the western side of the state. So Florence area, Decatur, Florence area is kind of where we got more now. But in the springtime, uh, we have a lot of people that are after flatheads. Flatheads become one of our staples in the springtime. And Gunnersville and Upper Wheeler is really the best place to get those flatheads. And I lived over that way for 10 years. And my uh, in-laws still live over there, so I, I'll do a lot of trips over there in the springtime. So mainly I just stay over there full-time away from home, which is kind of hard, but it's it beats uh, traveling two hours back and forth every day. Yeah, well, I've had to drive an hour every day for a few weeks at a time, and that was uh, miserable. Once in a while, it's fine. Every day for two yeah. months, not so fine. So... Uh, so you, you got those lakes. I assume you're pretty much fishing every style you can come up with if you're flathead fishing, probably within the river system, but then you're, I would assume, drill, drifting and trolling and, and doing a lot of that stuff. Do you walk bait too then? Yeah. Yeah, it depends on current over here. You know, they're all hydroelectric dams. So if we're getting good rain, we can do stuff like bump and walk and we do do a lot, a lot of anchor fishing or spot locking, as as we call it now. We about went away from the the old anchor and rope, but uh, we do a lot of that. And uh, then in the lakes, and when it's dry, we do a lot of uh, control drifting, dragging, pulling planter parts, and stuff like that. Which is your favorite method? Uh, I had rather catch fish bumping than probably any other way. I think that's probably the uh, more exciting, more fun to have that rod in your hand, you know, with braid, no stretch, and filling bite. 
and that's probably my favorite way. But one of my probably more consistent and best tactics is spot locking. And I, I'll probably catch a few more big fish. And uh, because the Tennessee River doesn't really have the current to bump very often, we do a lot of spot locking, especially when the water's colder like it is now. So do you adjust the sit times? And I'm just going to, we're just going to go to anchoring down spot lock and whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, are you adjusting sit times based on conditions then? Kind of like what I'm always preaching, or you just kind of got a set way to do things or, I mean, we're trying to get a feel for if ever, if we're all kind of on the same page or we all regionally right. have different methods. For the most part, I like to move a lot. Our fish, because the water is not that cold, I feel like within a 15 or 20 minute time frame, we should be getting some bites. You know, so I, I move a lot. And then I'll, if I'm, if I'm real confident in the area, I may give it 45 minutes. But for the most part, I'm a 20, 30 minute set guy. And then I'll come back around later on and maybe hit that spot twice during the day if I, if I really like it. Sometimes I only move maybe 50 yards, 100 yards, but I move a lot. Yeah, short little moves can make a big difference. So do you move that quick when you're flathead fishing too, or is that you kind of speaking blues? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I move move quite often flathead fishing. The only time I would set longer is if if I'm catching fish pretty regular, you know, if if you're catching one every 20 minutes, you might stay there an hour and a half. But, uh, you know, if you don't have, typically if I don't have one by 20, 25 minutes, I'm already got that, that next spot in mind. And there's just so much to fish here as far as structure goes, you know, you, uh, and some places are, are worse than others. I say worse because when you hit a stretch of river, you only got, four or five key areas in a mile, you know, that's, that's pretty, I think that's pretty good. But when you got like 25 or 30 in that mile stretch, you know, you really got to move a lot to cover all those spots. And that's the way it is here. Like you just got big boulder piles, logs, trees, a little bit of everything, humps, holes, and you got 25 or 30 spots sometimes in a mile stretch of route. So, I know blues are more roamers than our channel cats are. Um, you don't seem to have too big of a problem hitting things multiple times a day or multiple times a week, where especially late in the summer when the water's hot, I won't even look at a spot for five days after I fish it. Right. Yeah, we do a lot of the same stuff day in and day out. We just try to move to a different stretch. You know, if it gets kind of tough and say maybe a five or 10 mile stretch, we'll just, because boat ramps are real prevalent here, you know, there's so many boat ramp options. And uh, if, if it starts getting tough, it seems like fish in the springtime anyway, kind of migrate up. And if the more rain you get, kind of the further they'll push up. So we kind of concentrate this time of the year on the lake or the middle portion of the river. And then as the spring goes, we kind of push ourselves up. And then if we start getting in tough fishing, we'll, we'll move up further. We may go to the lake and drag, you know, it's just, 
one of those things where you got so many options here, you, you're doing something different a lot. But as long as it's working, yeah, we'll go day in, day out, fish the same stuff. So I'm getting the drift that you like to do the anchor fish and ride that as long as you can before you get out and start dragging and doing other things. And I get it. With yeah. clients, there's more to watch and more to keep pay right. attention to when you're moving or the bait's moving just to maintain order, so to speak. Right. Well, you know, one thing about dragging is it does involve a little bit more work as far as if you're doing it all yourself, setting up painter boards and all that, and then let's say you run into some snags, you know, so it's a little bit harder to drag with clients than it is dragging with maybe a partner that knows, you know, that fishes with you a lot. But, you know, if, if you can spot lock on fish and you're catching good fish like that, it's just so much easier. Uh, you know, I, I do have all types of people, but, but it's a relaxing way to fish. You know, you can sit out there, you can tell stories, listen to music. Drink, drink a beer if you want want to do that. You know, just whatever you, whatever you want to do. And you know, and I set my reels most of the time, especially for flatheads. I'll set my, I use a lever drag, so I'll set my reels with the uh, clicker on, in the rod holder, and that drag's fairly loose. So you know they, they they make a lot of noise when they go off. Sometimes they they really uh, start screaming with that reel and. It's exciting, and uh, you know, you. I tell people you really don't have to be in a hurry. You know, if you if you're around a bunch of wood, sometimes you need to get him out of there in a hurry. But but uh, you know, most people get to the rod within four or five seconds, and I think that's plenty of uh, you know time to let that fish do what he's going to do and swallow that bait down and get a good hook set. Yep. Well, I run circle hooks, and I run everything locked tight so you know rod bends you know no rush yeah. <laughs> he'll wait so and you I, know i run circle hooks too i just feel like you know a lot of times uh here anyway and in flatheads a lot of times they're a little uh rod shot so so i'll leave that drag fairly loose and then all they do is it's a lever drag run up there and push the lever up let it bend it on up you so, know catch it with a rod so that you clearly like that now Let's just talk about clients for a minute. You've been doing this a long time. I didn't realize you got started that early. You're quite a bit older than me in the guiding world then, but you've obviously seen all kinds and, you know, yeah. but overall in my feeling, most people that by the time they get to a guide boat are good. Is there any really good or really bad clients? No names mentioned, please. <laughs> that stick out. <laughs> you know, I get asked that question a lot. But I have had very good clients, you know. I haven't had anybody that I've kicked all the, out the boat yet or anything like that or took back to the bank. So, you know, I feel fortunate, and I'm really easy to get along with. You know, sometimes you will get some difficult people or or maybe somebody's having a bad day. And, and uh, you know, I've fished long enough to know that every day is not going to be a good day, you know, as far as the bike goes. But, uh, you know, I would say when things that kind of aggravate me a little bit more than others is when you have a great day and they still don't seem satisfied. Agreed. But, 
but other than that, I mean, you know, uh, you know, I don't really expect every day to be great like that, but, but when you have a great day and you feel like, and this was a super day, you know, everything went good and the, and the people were like, Oh, you know, we've, we've done better. That, that, that can be a little fresher. I agree. I agree a hundred percent with that. Well, I'll tell you this, I've never kicked anybody out of the boat either, but in 15 years, I told one not to come back. Right. So well, sometimes you kind of don't answer the phone on a, on a few people, you know, uh, you save them in there is, uh, let somebody else take them, you know, there's, yeah. there's two or three more guys around. So sometimes you, you give that uh, person to another guy. Yeah. Well, we don't have that up here, but. No, I mean, 15 years of guiding and now eight full-time, and to only have told one not to come back is really good odds, I think. Right. I do, too. Like I said, I've had so many good people and good experiences. You know, it's it's to me, it's enjoyable. And, and I've learned, you know, from some of my clients, you know, I've learned a lot from them, you know. Some of them... I've actually been fishing longer than me. It may not be for catfish, but still you pick up things and learn from from everybody you take out as well. Right. And being around that long, you've got to have regulars that is like old home week when they show up. I mean, you just can't wait to get them in the boat and catch up yeah. on the previous year. Yeah, the uh, longest running clients I've had have come every year since 2003 and they're from Wisconsin. Really? Two th- 20 years? Yeah, that's Wisconsin. that is impressive. That is really, really impressive. Uh, so, what's the second longest run? Uh, I've had some that have missed a few years and twenty years, but but they're consistent. You know, I'd say out of the twenty, they've probably made fifteen of the twenty years. Well, that's impressive. So, well, we got to pay a couple of bills here. So, we're going to talk tournaments as soon as I get this done. I feel like this microphone's going to break again, Dale, but we'll, we'll make it work. So, again, I've apologized for forgetting all my scripts, but let's chalk chiller bait tanks for a minute. They're the only roto molded cooler uh, in catfishing. So, obviously, they're going to stand up and be your last bait tank first. They use the chamber for the oxygen to maintain maintain the oxygen in there. All tanks are available in 30 and 45 gallons, come with free shippings, customizable power cords, and the filtration. You can get those shipped right to your door at chillerbaittank.com. And let's see, we got Brothers Firearms. I have that one because that's in John Roberts's pile. Brothers Firearms Shop, located in Grand City's Mall. They buy, sell, and trade new and used firearms. Brothers has you covered with anything you need for tons of firearms, silencers, all the way to flamethrowers. Everybody but Mike Mitchell can see the flamethrowers on the screen. Brothers Firearms is also veteran-owned. Check them out. Brothers Firearms in the Grand Cities Mall in Grand Forks. They're open Monday through Friday from 11 to 6, Saturdays noon to 4. Brothers Firearms, protecting America since 2015. Look them up on the web, brothersfirearmshop.com. All right, so we talked about the guiding things. So let's you've, you've been really prevalent in the tournament scene. It seems like I see your name coming up pretty regularly over the years, so... 
what got you going into tournaments and and what keeps you competitive as they get bigger and better and more people into them i've i've fished tournaments you know since my dad was a big tournament fisherman but it, you know it was bass instead of catfish so I fished a lot of bass tournaments growing up, and I've just always loved to be competitive. It's, uh, you know, as far as catfishing goes, I think I probably started around 2001, 2002, fishing in some tournaments, and there wasn't that many options back then. You know, you had... Uh, I was going to say, if you're starting back then, you're a veteran. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm 44, but I've been doing it since I was, you know... 21 22 year old but uh yeah we we just love them you know and, and uh you know it's it's stressful at times especially when you know if you got a lot of money involved or a lot of expenses uh entry fees gas hotels you know things like that you need to cut a check every time and that's what we try to do is, is be up there in the money and and uh, at least break even. You don't want to break even. You don't want to go in a hole all the time. So how far are you traveling? Obviously, the list of lakes that you guide on, I know there's a lot of stuff on there. Are you getting over to Memphis and up into Kentucky and those areas as well? Yeah. Just really uh, about three years ago, we started traveling more. So we, we like to stay around six hours away from our home. So Memphis is about two and a half or three but we, we went up to alton last year and we got six in alton uh we fished uh quite a few on the mississippi river i really like current and i got hooked on that bumping and i think this is my third year really to fish on the mississippi river so it, it just makes you uh think out of the box and i've learned a lot from fishing up there I look forward to going back over there this year. That is so weird, and I know talking to I know I know a lot of people in, around the catfish world, and it's so weird. You just say, "Yeah, we zip over to Memphis. It's two and a half hours." I have to drive two and a half hours to get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to get down to your neck of the woods is twenty. To get over to Alton is about twenty. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just. We're just in the middle of nowhere when it comes to the grand scheme of catfishing up here. So it's it's just so crazy to listen to people like like you talking about a couple hours here, a couple hours there. I mean, six yeah, hours you can get a uh, you can get a long ways in six hours over in your neck of the woods. Oh yeah, yeah. We just came back from the catfish conference, and that was a five hour drive. So to make it to the Ohio River, anywhere from four to five hours, and that's kind of the range. We'll. We have done a few on the Ohio River. Uh, we did Santee Cooper this past year, and that's a nine-hour drive. So that's one of the that's the furthest I've ever been. So I know this show is not going to air for a couple of weeks from the recording, but since Catfish Conference is fresh in your mind, how'd you? How was it this year? We had a really good time, and, and it was the biggest crowd that I've ever seen there. Uh, we did have a pro panel discussion that that uh, Steve put us on. So we were up on stage with uh, James Patterson, Donnie Fountain, and Casey Tuttero. And we did that two days and really enjoyed We really enjoyed it. We had booths set up to tell people about our God service. 
probably talked to four or five hundred people, you know, one on one individually during during that time. So the booth for the guide service was working out okay. I have found in my neck of the woods that booths anymore just aren't getting it done. Yeah. Well, I talked to a lot of people. I gave a lot of info out, but I didn't book a lot of trips. But right now, you know, I'm I'm booked up for uh, March and April and most of May. So right now I'm not really trying to book that many trips. Uh, as far as for the recent, but uh, it was, you know, I, I feel like we did good getting the word out. But, but those kind of, I, I agree with you, those kind of conferences and maybe especially being a catfish conference, and I'm a catfish guide, most of the people that, that go there, I don't feel like they're willing to hire a guide to go catfishing. I'd agree Some with that. Them, but I think from, in my experience, the catfish crowd isn't necessarily guide hirers, but there's other ways you can get into families and whatever, and they tend to be the ones who would hire a guide more just because they want to get out of the house or whatever. And I'm sure a couple of years ago in the COVID, you saw tons of that, because I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way I feel, you know, and, and... Even though you don't get a lot of serious catfishmen in the God world, like I don't take a lot of people that are serious in the, in the catfishing. And I really prefer it that way. Agree. Because you get people that that have never caught a big fish, you know, and a 10 pounder is huge for them. And they just get excited, you know, and it's fun watching people act like a kid when they see that big one roll up. And uh, the expectations are not there as. It, People that's already caught a lot of 40, 50, 60 pound fish, or even if they've just caught one or two, you know, they, they expect the guy to do better than what they do, and it's, it's still fishing. I agree 100%. I, uh, there's nothing better than some 10 year old kid that picks up a bent rod and, well, this isn't so tough, and then it starts to dig on them. And that's when the real fun begins. Yeah, that's to me, that's why I like to do it more than anything, seeing kids. Uh, elderly people are real fun to watch, you know, some, some elderly people that hadn't fished in their life or they've never caught a big fish in their life. You know, maybe a, a five pounder is the biggest thing they've ever seen in their whole life. and that They just turn into a kid. That's, that's a blast. Yeah. I've run into that a couple of times and, you know, off topic, uh, we, being me and our local catfish club, meaning me, lined it up. But uh, we're partnering with an old folks home, and we're taking six to eight people in assisted living out this summer. And there's a volunteer group that's actually lined it up. So we're just providing boats, rods, and bait, and then they're providing the helper volunteer. You know, if somebody needs help holding the rod or or whatever, and... That's great because our members aren't guides. They don't typically know what can go wrong in that situation of an elderly person or keep up to if, you know, because things get pretty fast when you get a good fish on. (laughs) So that's what the helper's for. And I probably won't even take a helper with me that evening. But I think that's going to be pretty cool teaming up with that place. They've done ice fishing and they did bluegill fishing. And now in July, they're going to do cat fishing. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be fun. You know, that, like I said, that's one of my 
one of my things I look forward to the most is taking kids and taking uh, elderly people out, you know, and, and we get, we get a lot of, of veterans and just, we try to help give back, you know, if, if we, uh, if we can give somebody a trip that's never had one, you know, whether they're disabled or a veteran, that's, that's really, that's just awesome on the cake to me. So the, um, let's see, where am I at here? We've talked about that. Any more comments on Catfish Conference before I move on? Because I followed it a little bit, but I was at the Taxidermy Conference in Bismarck right. with my boy, so I wasn't as in tune as I typically am. You know, it, it was a little bit larger than it has been in the past because they added some crappie stuff. You know, they had some crappie vendors and crappie uh, seminars and stuff. And uh, other than that, I mean, it was similar. If you've been there in the past, it was, it was similar. I've been uh, to Kansas ACA, City. I haven't been to Kentucky yet, though. Yeah. The ACA was there, American Catfish Association, and uh, they did announce two new of the Hall of Fame inductees, which is something that's probably newer. You know, they did that last year, too. But uh, Catmasters... I know you know you know Brian Saint Alma and yep. Catmasters crew. They had a booth set up and they actually ran a live event there. So it's kind of still like in the works. Like they haven't put an official tournament out yet, but they're doing some test tournaments that are similar to like major league fishing, where they're weighing. You know they got a camera in every boat. They're weighing each fish, and so they had a live event there at the Catfish Conference. That was actually on my lakes, you know, back here in Alabama. So I'd like to have been there it's probably instead of the Catfish Conference, but but we did get to watch it now. Uh, the other two guys over here came in first and second. Wow. Well, you guys are obviously better at fishing in tournaments than I am because I run tournaments because I suck so bad at fishing in them. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Sometimes a home field advantage cannot can work work against you because you get used to well i mean you get used to spots sometimes and sometimes that can work against you you know you just need to kind of take it as a new day and do all your electronics your maps your but you've got this waypoint this waypoint this waypoint you think well i need to hit all these waypoints and not worry about really finding fish and treating it like a, a new day yeah, I can see that. Well, my, my thing is, if we're not on fish right away, then I start to panic. And like I said earlier in the show, when I hit a spot, I don't like to hit it for four, five, six days. And huh. so you see somebody in the spot you were going to fish, it's automatically ruined for four, five, six days, even if they fished it wrong. And and that's yeah. that's totally my fault. It's all right there. So it's one of those things. But let's just talk catfishing and the catfish industry for a minute i mean you and i have been around a long time it turns out you've been around a lot longer than i have and we already talked about pickings for tournaments 20 years ago were a lot slimmer than they are now and now it seems like there's well down in your part of the world probably five or six to pick from every week if not more so just talk about what you've seen in the past 20 years with the growth down there well, like I used to, you would go out on the weekend, 
beautiful day and you wouldn't see another catfish boat on the water. Now you can go out during the week when it's 30, 40 degrees out in the wintertime and you'll see four or five catfish boats regular, you know. So it's there's a lot more people doing it for sport, which it used to be catfishing was more people going out and just catching fish to eat. But here it's become a big sport. It's not still not like bass fishing, but a lot of people are doing it now. Tournament worlds have, have grown leaps and bounds, you know. It's uh, you know, a lot of uh, tournaments now where you're looking at five, ten grand for first place. Whereas when I first started, if you got five or ten boats, sometimes that was a good turnout. So with all these tournaments, are you getting the turnouts? I know the big ones are getting the boats, but are the smaller ones five to ten boats, or are they bringing in good numbers of boats also? No, our local tournaments will get 25 to 40 boats sometimes, you know. So they're, it's it's not just like your your national trails or your cat masters, Missy Brewer monsters, where they've got guaranteed money and you get people that travel six, eight, ten hours, you know, to get to Memphis or wherever. It's not just those tournaments that are that are growing. It's the local trails. Whereas, you know, like I said, 10, 15 boats used to be kind of the norm. Those have gone up to 25, 30, 40 boat tournaments. So what kind of buy-ins are you seeing for those? Uh, those are usually around $100. Some, some of them are... A little less and some of them a little more, but usually around a hundred hundred dollars for for two man team, three man team. So oh I got another question going back to tournaments. I asked the Mask Gill brothers this couple of years ago. Would you prefer a one day or a two day tournament? Me personally, I like two day tournaments better as far as you know, on a big tournament, I think that really separates, you know, and brings out the best, especially now with we went to like lower limits. So you're doing three fish limits a lot of times. And sometimes you've only got two uh, big fish in that. And those three fish, you've got a 34 inch rule in Tennessee and Alabama. So you can only have two over 34 and one under. So a two day event really, I think, kind of separates uh, somebody that maybe just caught an 80 pounder the first day. You know, you've got to put together two good days. But two days is a lot of work. It 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 wears on you more. Uh, so you know, one day one days are fun. Uh, two days, I think, are probably my preferred as far as for a real big tournament. I agree. You know, <clears throat> as a director, and knowing most of the people who come into the tournaments. My feeling is anybody can win a one-day tournament, but can you put two days together? Plus, up here, we have the, not only the slot limit like you talked about. We have a no-call rule, so you have to make your decision at the catch. And that adds a lot of strategy. So in a lot of cases, we see teams that on day one are playing. They're playing to not lose, but they're not necessarily playing to win. They're just playing to get in the hunt to go for the win on day two. And I think that is what really separates the really good from the, you know, still needs some work. Yeah. 
Yeah, it adds some strategy to it. Like you said, you you don't want to stay, like say maybe if you've got an area that's producing big fish, uh, you don't want to stay there and catch four or five when you only need two a day, you know. So catch your two and you get out of there and hopefully uh, the, hopefully you know that uh, the, you didn't get too far behind by sitting there and not, you know, really trying to upgrade your, your two overs or your three fish, you know, because – Sometimes, you know, you may only run into one or two areas that are really productive, but you can't wear them out on day one. You got to save some for day two. Or have a lot of water to fish, one of the two combinations. And see, like, we don't have the no call. So if you get the two big that you're satisfied with, you put them in, you're done, you're out. And if nobody saw you catch them, you can go back to that same spot the next day. And hopefully their brothers and cousins are sitting in there waiting for you. Right. Yeah, that's kind of the way I play it, too, you know. I don't want to wear my fish out the first day. Uh, try to have some some A, B, C, D plans. So, uh, But a lot of times, you know, what you planned on doing, that, that A spot, your number one spot, sometimes that's all that works out, but you can't sit there and wear it out on that first day. So back to the industry. So we talked about the... I had to jump in and ask that one versus two day question. The way catfishing's grown, and I've seen it here recreationally as well, but the industry as a whole has boomed. I mean, we just talked about catfish conference. Did you see that one coming twenty years ago? To being what it is? No, with the amount of different rides, just rod vendors, you know, there's I wanna say there's eight to ten different rod brands there. You know, and, and used to, you had to buy an ugly stick or, or a Walmart uh, catfish special, basically is what I call them. You know, there really wasn't any name brand rods out there, you know. This is where I add that I am an ugly stick pro. Got to get that in there. <laughs> <laughs> ugly stick's been making a catfish rod for a long time. But there hasn't been, you know, like we got Big Cat Fever and, Tangling with catfish and slime cat. I uh, could go on and on and on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everywhere you turn, there's there's a new a new brand. Dale's telling me we got to pay a bill, so stand by. Push the button, Dale. Hey, if you move snow with a skid steer, you've got to see the muskox difference. A patented back drag feature allows operators to blow snow while back dragging in front of obstructions. You know, garage doors, siding, and fire hydrants. Now this saves time and money while lowering injury risk by decreasing manual labor. The optional dual auger, called the Dually, helps the operator eat through big snowfalls, ice-crusted snow, and blow more snow while back dragging. And the glide plate, it allows you to glide over grass and gravel without ripping up the soft surfaces. Subsequently, create an instant torque of the lower cutting edge to break up snow and ice to better expose hard surfaces. See the muskox difference. Go to muskox.com or Facebook at muskox snowblowers or call 218-288-1905. See the difference for yourself. It's the muskox difference. I was just asking if you could see those ads because we just ran a snowblower ad and you probably have never seen such a thing in an ad in your <laughs> neck of the woods. <laughs> no, maybe a weed eater, not those snowblower. 
So what do you do when it snows? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. We stay home. Have you ever ice fished? No. Ever want to? <laughs> Not really, to be honest. Uh, I do have, like I said, I have a lot of clients from up north. And uh, I have some that do the uh, musky spearing through the ice. That sounds pretty interesting, you know. But I realize that's kind of like hunting that you probably don't get one every year. Right. I think that's sturgeon, not musky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Sturgeon. I was going to say, if you speared a musky in Wisconsin, you might go to prison. That's probably highly illegal. Well, I think it is, but I, you know, there might be a. <laughs> yeah, it, it wouldn't be good. So, yeah, that's a big deal over there, and I think the limit's like three or four for everybody for the season. So, but anyway, no, that's pretty cool. So, going back to equipment, I mean. I would say the rods and reels things probably the last six or seven years. They're really booming for catfish. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's growing every year. You see some more pop up and kind of think, man, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? You know, because I didn't really think there would ever be the demand there is now. Everybody at the catfish conferences walk around with rods every year, you know. I had a million dollar idea and i pitched it to a sponsor and he said don't do anything just yet and here we are and we haven't done anything and that ship has sailed so we know where that is we know about you it's growing but where do you think we're going to end up let's just say 10 years from now i mean you and i will be old gray rdm gray catfish Guides probably getting towards the tail end of our career. Where do you think this whole thing's going to go? I hope it progresses, you know, but uh, it's hard to say, you know, where to go. You know, it, I've seen it progress for a year or two and then go back some. So the last few years has definitely progressed a lot. I hope we don't go back. You know, I hope we keep going forward. You know, as far as... The tournament scene, the tournaments, I think, you know, those have potential to get almost as big as bass. You know, they do because there's, uh, you know, TV's got to get involved and TV's starting some national TV and stuff like that. But uh, do you think there's the sponsor dollars for that? I'm having a hard time thinking there's going to be the sponsor dollars to make that go. Well, one thing we got working against us, you know, we don't have all the brands as far as different tackle and stuff like that. Right. You don't need 40 crankbaits and 10 different colors of each one. Right. Yeah, we do have that working against us. But but I really do think, I do see it growing, you know, uh, King Cat. I don't know if you've followed them uh, lately. but New logo is about all I know. King Cat is uh, is televising their events, and uh, it's on the Pursuit Channel. And uh, uh, Cat Masters is working with some people to try to televise the the new Major League tour they're they're planning on doing. So I think you know television is going to bring it a long way, but uh, we still have a long way to go as far as what bass is, but. I do see within 10 years it, it doubling what it is now or maybe tripling. Are you seeing 
more younger people? Because that's one area that I'm not necessarily seeing. I'm seeing a lot of folks who like fishing 30 and up that are finding catfish and switching species, not necessarily young people jumping on board. Are you noticing that as well? Yeah, you especially tournaments, you know, and in your tournaments, a lot of people are, are over 30. But uh, there was a good crowd of kids at the captain's conference. You know, uh, my son actually helped with a, a kid's thing, and I think there was roughly 30 kids there. And a lot of them, their parents were catfishmen. So, you know, I do think uh, kids are coming on board, but we still have a long way to go you know, get kids involved. Well, I mean, in tournament scene, that can get pretty expensive pretty quick, like anything. I mean, it's as much as your checkbook will allow at that at this point. Yeah. You're right, but, but I, I definitely agree with you. You know, I'm not seeing a lot of 20, 25-year-olds out there on the tournament scene. Um, you look at maybe some crappie and some bass, and, and it seems like it's a little bit younger crowd. Yeah, and we see that with ice fishing, too. The younger people are over there. And I, I'm pretty confident they're going to find it because who doesn't love a big fish? They just have to discover it on their own. Right. You know, yeah, and, when looks and, don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and I was fast-paced, you know, as, as a young person, uh, bass fishing. You know, you got to have the, the boat that goes 65 miles per hour, and, you know, you're chunking and winding. But as you age, I think once you hit that first big 40, 50 pounder, and as you age, uh, catfish is just a more relaxing sport, in my opinion. Yeah, so you obviously put some miles on. Let's talk about that G3. I don't know how many you've had, but I know you run G3, and I know you run a lot of horsepower, so you can still go somewhere fast. (laughs) Yeah, I'm working on my third G3. I had a um a eighteen foot DV and a twenty one foot DV and now I'm in a twenty four foot sports so semi semi V So you're in the you're in the big dog now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going I'm on the live well and uh, the extra room is nice, you know, when you get four clients. You know, you that runs a two hundred, right? It, uh, it has a two fifty. Two fifty, okay. Well, I'm moving up to a bay boat this year, so I'm going to a 20 with a 150, but that 24-footer that you run, I'm not sure I could turn it around some spots in our place. Yeah. And there's times where we're bouncing off the bottom as it is, so I don't think I want that big motor hanging below me, some of the skinny stuff I ripped through. But uh, yeah, they make a good boat. I just thought I'd bring that up because I've been working with them since 2009. I don't know when you got on board. It was about the same time, I think. Yeah, uh, my original uh, boat that I, the first one that I got, actually I started in a bass boat, but the first catfish boat I got, aluminum boat, and had rod holders and all that good stuff, was a 2004 G3. So yeah, you're And then I moved up to a 2009, and now I'm in a 2019. Right before the COVID, because, of course, they haven't made a boat for me since. <laughs> no. Yeah. Boats have really skyrocketed and gotten harder to find, you know. So the, the used markets went way up. 
I think you're going to see a lot more. I'm seeing more on lots already. Uh, yeah. Campers in particular, I'm seeing more on lots. So I think that's going to be breaking loose this season. I know getting rods and reels seems to be a lot easier than it was two years ago. So uh, I think a lot of that is going to be different. And I think some of the prices will probably be coming down a little bit, which is good to get more people in, especially beginners into those used boats. Yeah. So with yeah. that... I got any more comments on where we're going? If not, tell us how we can get a hold of you if we want to do some Alabama catfishing. Okay, uh, well, uh, we do all the social media stuff. I know that's huge now. We got TikTok, we got Facebook, we got Instagram. So just go in there and type in Southern Cats, one word, Southern Cats, Godfrey's. And then we have a website at southerncatsguideservice.com. And you can call us, text, anything like that. And the phone number is 256-673-2250. What's your preferred method of contact for booking? Uh, text is awesome for our first contact. You know, because uh, if you call me and I don't know your number, sometimes I'm not going to because I get so many scam calls. My number's all over the internet, you know, so I get a lot of scam calls and stuff like that. So send me a text and I'll call you back or leave me a voicemail and I'll call you back. A Facebook message is fine. I do a lot of trips on Facebook. And then you get a record two, of it as two well. Facebook pages. I got a personal page and a God service page. So what do you think? Uh, you said you're getting a little booked in the short term. You're still pretty good for the rest of the season, though? Yeah, I mean, I kind of take off the month of June as far as guiding. We'll do some uh, some trips in June, but they're mainly for smaller and eat-sized fish. But June's when they spawn here. And uh, I plan on, and I did last year, moving over to the Mississippi River like late August and September and do a couple weeks over there. Good to know. I've been wanting to do this show for a long time. I want to thank you for coming on, talking catfishing with us. I know you've been a heavy hitter a long time because I've been following you a long time. So I really enjoyed visiting with you. And uh, thanks for coming on, and hopefully we can do it again another season. That's uh, Captain Mike Mitchell, Southern Cats Guide Service. I really enjoyed it. It's the first one I've ever done like this. So a little bit nervous, but I ah, you're it. fine. <laughs> Hang on the line. I'll visit with you when we when we wrap things up. Just a reminder, our Season 3 sponsors, as always, Half Brothers Brewing, Thunder Rays Auto Repair, Brothers Firearms, Musk Ox Snowblowers, and Chiller Bait Tanks. Today, we, I enjoyed a punk rock princess. I've drank about half of it so far as I was talking to Mike about catfishing and tournaments and every other thing. Just another reminder, between now and next week, check out all the other shows at Grand Forks Best Source at gfbestsource.com. I should note, this may be our last episode of Season 3. Probably not, but if it is, I want to thank Dale. I want to thank all of you for watching and all of our guests for joining us and our sponsors for supporting us, although I think we're going to be back for one or two more. 
If you would like to hear any old or catfish best source, go to redrivercatfish.com. Simply click on the podcast button, or you can go over to podbean.com and find catfish best source audio files. If you would like to book a trip for this season, look me up at redrivercatfish.com. Find me on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time, I will see you next week.